like they they advertise one match by crashing a car into one of the wrestlers. Not a total victory of Russia, which now we're seeing. This he goes on. Gigantic bag of flaccid dicks. <laughs> Sorry. Continue. Which, when you open them up, you find out that they're all cockroaches inside. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. No, I don't know if anybody else is ever going to laugh this hard at anything we Probably. say. Uh, we can actually both look out my window right now and see some very pretty yellow flowers that I'm going to be eradicating. This is a Geek History of Time. Where we connect nerdery to the real world. My name is Ed Blaylock. I'm an English teacher and history teacher here in Northern California. Currently on hiatus for the next two weeks. But <laughs> we won't get into that too much tonight. And who are you? I'm Damien Harmony. Number one, I'm glad that you're back. Number two, I'm, I'm upset that you dated this episode. Uh, now yeah, it's not well, timeless. You know, uh, uh, well, really are any of ours. I mean... Uh, yes. Okay. All right. <laughs> I fine. am a Latin teacher and a world history teacher uh, who has assigned a novel in his world history class. Oh, which yep. one? Uh, Forgotten Fire by Adam Bagdasarian. Okay. Uh, yeah. I'm going to need to find that. Yes. Okay. Yes. I left all the copies at work, so sorry. <laughs> oh, well. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I, I am also here in Northern California. I'm also a father of two who are also on quarantine now. All right. So it's uh, it's going to be a fun three weeks, so tuck yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Bu- bu- buckle up, buttercup. <laughs> so, so you were gone. Yes, uh, I, I was on assignment not here yes. in New Zealand. Yes. 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 Uh, and uh, so that that was that, and we did the, the Dark Crystal. Yes. Um, did you get to listen to any I, of the episodes? I have not had the opportunity yet to listen to it. Okay. I, I will await I your really, reaction. I really, really want to. Good. And I was... I cannot begin to tell you how bereft I was that you were going to be doing that episode without me here because it's like, oh my god! Yeah. Um, you know, and, maybe we'll do like a bonus episode where okay. I do it with you as well. Okay. And that that might just be kind of a, a little funsies like, like kind of a Rashomon style. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Hey. Yeah. Hey. It's you making the Kurosawa reference this time, yeah. not me. And that's only gotta a, be a minute first. and a half in. Yeah. So. And that's got to be a first for the cast. Yeah. So. Uh, you know, and part of the reason mm-hmm. that I was so excited about you having gotten excited about the Dark Crystal like mm-hmm. that was um, I actually, uh, last year on the last day of school, I showed it to my students. Oh, neat. Because, like, you know, trying to teach on the last day, you know, you're not, oh, yeah. not going to get any, any academic anything out of them anyway. Uh, so I was, I was showing the Dark Crystal, and, and it struck me mm-hmm. that there was something that it had in common Mm-hmm. with a, a number of movies from the time period, but there was one that occurred to me in particular, and that's and that's the one that I want to talk to you about tonight. Oh, okay. And it's Conan the Barbarian. Oh. Okay. Wow. Um, they're, they're both from roughly the same time period. That's true. That's okay. very true. And there is... Wildly different directors. Wildly different directors. Wildly different uh, uh, themes... Uh, there's, there's an all, I mean, I mean, they're, they're very, very different stories. They're, they're both fantasy stories. Mm-hmm. I would classify Dark Crystal as being a very much a high fantasy story. Conan is very much a low fantasy story. Can you distinguish between those two things just real quick? Oh, okay. I've never heard that. All right. Okay. So Game of Thrones. Okay. Is low fantasy. 
certainly for okay. for the first season. It is it is low fantasy. We know that we're in a fantastical world. We uh-huh. you know they talk about magic swords, and you know they talk in historic terms about there used to be dragons and all this kind of stuff. Okay, but you don't see wizards doing magic. Uh huh. And all of the motivations are very rooted in real world, real politic, dynastic struggles, that kind of stuff. Okay, so it's 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 the mundane world in a world that previously used to be fantastical. Magical. Okay. Now the the previously part is is less important to the distinction with low fantasy okay. than uh, the idea that that magic exists, but uh-huh. it's not an everyday thing. Okay, so okay. it would be like in D&D if I just played, like, we all played melee characters and nobody had magic. Yeah, essentially. Okay. If, if everybody played a martial-type character, uh-huh. and uh, to use a fourth edition term, if everybody used a, a martial-type character, mm-hmm. and, like, the bad guy, the, the, the big bad, he was, had some was a magic. lich or a sorcerer okay. or something like that, that would be not only very low fantasy... Oh, that sounds like a cool adventure. It be would honest. be, actually, yeah. to be brilliant. Not yeah. only would it be low fantasy, it would also be sword and sorcery. Which is what Conan is. Okay. 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 Now, high fantasy. Yeah. Sword and sorcery can be either one. Okay. Sword and high sorcery is a type. Is a is a subset of of the genre. Okay. And the genre is divided kind of into two kind, camps: kind high of, and kind low. High and low. Yeah. Okay. It's it's, it's, it's a really have, simplistic kind of. You can have high versions of anything and low versions, low versions of, anything. of anything. Okay. I get you now. Um, uh, sword and sorcery is easier to do in low fantasy, but you you can probably do it high fantasy. So, are you familiar with the Dragonlance series? Uh, by Reason name, Hickman? yes, but okay. I again the only okay. fantasy I've ever read has been Star Wars. Okay, so the <laughs> yeah and yeah, yeah no, and that I gonna, assume no, that's high fantasy no because they use the force oh, all the time. Based that's, on what that's you're saying, space opera, which is the science fiction version of high fantasy. Okay, it it ain't science fiction. No, 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 it's yeah. no, but it's but it's ray guns instead of fireballs. So right, right, you know. It, it, there, there are there are oh, wow. plenty. There are plenty of writers and publishers. Can in, we? Can we? I'm going to interrupt you. Can we do an episode where we just like go through the taxonomy of all these fictions? Fuck yes. Okay, cool. I'm oh all right. My, shit, I'm already halfway to writing it. <laughs> just thinking about it. All right, cool. So, Less for me to do. So yeah, but but <laughs> but um so so high fantasy uh-huh. to to finish the the distinction between the two okay high fantasy is usually any any world in which magic is more commonplace in which you see big splashy dramatic kind of magical stuff happening okay. uh the classic example would be lord of the rings is very much a high fantasy okay it's it's this the the emotional context of it is this overwrought romantic kind of thing oh uh, the stakes are the fate of the world. The stakes are epic. The stakes are epic, whereas okay. low fantasy is usually like the Conan stories, which I'm going to talk about. It's they're we far have, more localized. Yeah, it's it's far yeah. more far more personal. Okay. Uh, like you might get into the fate of a kingdom, but it's never going to be like we've got to save the world, right? You know, in, in right. low fantasy, uh, Thieves' World by Robert Asprin, which okay. if you haven't read, I really highly recommend. It's okay. Awesome. Okay. Um, it's an anthology. It's edited by Robert Asprin. Some of it was written by Robert Asprin, but but it's uh-huh. it's it's a great anthology series that is almost the textbook definition of low fantasy. Now, is that similar to uh, Bard's World by uh, John Ibuprofen? Fuck you. <laughs> no. Good day, sir. <laughs> How about A Monk's after, World by Bill Tylenol? After after the <laughs> way, after the day we have had, you bring this to me. Yeah, I do now. I- no. No? Okay. No. Fair. All right. 
So it's so, weird. I've never seen ibuprofen inflame someone. Inflame, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I have the opposite of its intended effect like right? that. Yeah. Um, so anyway, high fantasy. The stakes are, are high. Uh-huh. The scale is epic. The scale of the conflict is epic. Okay. And you have you tend to have more kind of black and white morality. You you oh, have okay. you have clear good guys, clear bad guys. That's very Star Wars. Okay. Yeah. 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 Star Wars. Star Wars would be a very high fantasy kind of space opera. Yeah, because they're saving the galaxy. They're saving, it's the whole galaxy. It's, it's light side versus, versus dark white. side. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Harry Potter. Very is high fantasy. Very high fantasy. Now, do you have to have the presence of magic for it to be high fantasy, or can you have it be mundane martial stuff that is epic? Like, does magic have there to? Can you, you have the romantic? Start getting into. Yeah. Start getting into. Now clearly, that's questions. another podcast. Yeah, yeah, it's that's that's part of the taxonomy yeah. discussion. Oh, that's gonna be fun. Yeah, because I love parsing. Yeah. I oh love yeah. Parsing. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. Give me a hair. I'll split yeah. It. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I would argue. I I I would argue it's a spectrum. Okay. Sure. And sure. something like that would be closer to the midline. Okay. Because uh, not a lot of magic, but you know, you, you know, swash, swashbuckling kind right, of kind of fiction right. with a little bit of magic thrown oh, in. Wow. Okay. You know. Cool. So yeah. All right. So well, I'm gonna in, have fun asking all oh, kinds of picky sure. questions. And, yeah. And I'm really gonna have to yeah. learn how to tap dance. So, <laughs> so but but Conan uh-huh. is very much a low fantasy story, like I said. So the New Testament would be high fantasy. For me, not for, for you. you. For you, for it's you. a it's a guidebook. For, for me, you, yeah, yes. Okay. If you're if you're choosing to read it as fiction, sure. as opposed to choosing to to believe, then sure. yes, yes. Okay, yeah. So most Greek mythology would also be high. Fa- most mythology, mythologies would be mythology higher fantasy. Would, would fall under kind of higher fantasy. I mean, mm-hmm. if, if you're if you take that as your inspiration and turn it into right. A more novelized kind of kind of approach because mythology sure. is its own folklore and mythology are kind of their own thing. Okay, so those aren't fantasy. They're not. They're yeah because right. because of I mean they they are fantastical. But they set people's but, beliefs. But they, therefore, but they, they, okay. they set people's beliefs and 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 they weren't originally presented as a fiction. Yeah. They, okay. Yeah, I get you yeah. now. Okay. You know, or or they were they were like fairy tales. Sure. Were were presented for a specific reason, like they, right. they were they were they were they, a morality they, they were play. a morality play kind of thing, and so they they get lumped in with with folklore. And they were morality kind of told in an entertaining way, not entertainment told with moralistically, morals. right? Which is okay. the Lord of the Rings, yeah, you know, right. Because uh, like you can the see hell with in author our intent exactly you know, as you can see in, in our J.R.R. Tolkien episodes, yeah, yeah, so. But but anyway, looking at the Dark Crystal again, yes, for me after yes. I hadn't seen it in literally decades, uh-huh. like forever, mm-hmm. I, I hadn't watched it. Um, there there was there was an aesthetic there mm-hmm. there there were these elements in it that I was like, I got to find some way to tie this together to Conan the Barbarian because there's something I'm going seeing, on. There. I'm seeing something here. I, I can't mm-hmm. put my finger on it, but there's something going on here. Sure. And in the process of trying to figure that out, uh, as happens with us when we start doing research, sure. I realized that my thesis about Conan couldn't couldn't do, I, or or this thesis about Conan, mm-hmm. I couldn't do that. I needed to get something else off my chest first. And so uh, the the title I have for this episode is uh-huh. Conan the Barbarian and Reagan the Cold Warrior. Ooh, okay, okay. 
Now, I, I would like to ask you this. Um, yeah. I, I don't want to steal the thunder from your yeah, yeah, your yeah, title. Yeah, yeah, it's a good title. Yeah. Uh, so the the other title I came up with was yeah. Conan of Samaria and Reagan of California. I like that one better. Yeah, it is I like a little, little punchier. But yeah. yeah. Uh, so. I could just see like both of them one on either side of a sword. That's yeah. Oh, out, oh yeah. Yeah, you know? yeah. 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 You could. You could. Oh so, man, I can see the poster now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it, was it the clothing of the Skeksis that reminded you of Conan? Because I have this here picture of Conan from the comic books. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so happy you found that. Oh yeah. Uh yeah. So for, yeah, no. for those of you that can't see the video, um, Conan came back. Into the world, so Marvel Comics, yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, bought in, in the property for a bit. Of, okay, of, cool. Well, they got they got a license the property. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, licensed it. Um, and uh, he dressed as a circa nineteen seventies pimp with a pet jaguar. Well, jaguar or leopard, I can't tell, but some some spotted cat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, yeah, and you know, it, the funny thing is, uh huh. I don't know for sure whether Robert E. Howard mm-hmm. would be entertained to death by that, mm-hmm. or if that caused him to rotate in his grave fast enough to generate electricity. <laughs> and we're and, and we'll we'll get into talking about why why that might be the case. Sure. In a so Conan the Barbarian, yes, is an iconic film mm-hmm. that turned a Mister Universe into a bankable Hollywood star. Who then went yeah. on to become a political figure. Yep. And it set a stamp on the science fiction fantasy genre that has lasted ever since. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, any any kind of swashbuckling fantasy movie mm-hmm. that has been made since Conan the Barbarian, mm-hmm. it's like the 60s Batman series. Every Batman series that came after that is either an homage mm-hmm. or is a reaction yeah, to they're, that. They're all responding they're, to they're, it. They're all somehow yeah. responding to it. <clears throat> Every sword and sorcery movie that has mm-hmm. been made since 1982 mm-hmm. is somehow a response to Conan the Barbarian. Okay. Okay. And so the question is, why did that movie mm-hmm. about that character right. create that level of legacy, have that kind of impact on, on the national psyche? Sure. Uh, even though, at, I mean, at the time it was a success. Yes, it was. But at the time it was not a blockbuster. Right. It was a success, a success for bikers. Yeah. Like, tough guys really yeah. liked it. Oh, know? yeah. 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 So, um, I have to start with this because my inner 12-year-old won't let me not. Okay. Between the time when the oceans drank Atlantis mm-hmm. and the rise of the sons of Arius, there was an age undreamed of. And unto this, Conan, destined to wear the jeweled crown of Aquilonia upon a troubled brow. It is I, his chronicler, who alone can tell thee of his saga. Let me tell you of the days of high adventure. Go into the beginning of the Polydorus score and like all the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. It's it's incredibly evocative. And again, for those of you that didn't uh, buy the extended package, you didn't see the video of me mouthing it right along with that. (laughs) So I really encourage you to buy the extended package. The extended package. Yeah. We have bills to pay. Please. Yes. Oh boy, do we now? <laughs> Woo boy! So we're we're gonna we're gonna start with Robert E. Howard. Okay. Because because he's he's uncle of Ron and Clint Howard. Yes. 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 No. No. God damn it! No. <laughs> oh, uh, grandfather of Howard the Duck. That's, 
Probably not. No. But I didn't find out one way or the other. Ah. I can't. I can't. You can't prove a negative. Can't call foul. Highly un. Oh. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Quack. Yeah. That. That. You caught me flat-footed yeah. with that yeah. one. Um. So we got to start with with Bob Howard. Okay. Two Gun Bob. That was his actual nickname. Get, For the I'll, same reason as in that's listed in the Unforgiven movie. No. Oh, okay. No, I'll, that would have been way cooler. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah but <laughs> so, so we we got to start with Howard. Okay. And by starting with Howard, we have to start with Peaster, Texas, which is where he was born. Okay. A tiny little fly speck of a town, mm-hmm. and then Cross Plains, Texas. Okay. Okay. Yeah, on a map, to anybody who's not from Texas, mm-hmm. uh, Cross Plains looks about as central Texas as you can get. I mean, okay. It's, it's smack. Like like it's a it's little the bit Kansas above, of Texas. Yeah, it's it's a little bit above where the the actual center of gravity of Texas looks like it ought to be. Okay, but yeah. It's, but it's basically right in the middle it's of the just state. above the X. Yeah, essentially, yeah, yeah, pretty yeah. much. But um, it it is considered part of West Texas. Okay. Because, however, they determine sure, the regions. Sure. And that's the part with plains, scrub, rolling hills in some places, and most importantly for our story, oil. Okay. Now, two gun Bob was born in 1906. His father was a doctor with a penchant for get-rich-quick schemes. And his so mother... So he was a doctor. <laughs> back then, doctors, back then, that was their thing. Yeah. yeah. And uh, his mother came mm-hmm. from a patrician family oh. who had a lot of people in her family who were very sickly. She was their caretaker. She had a massive martyr complex. Okay. Uh, his mother developed tuberculosis okay. after looking after a succession of relatives and was frail and sickly all of Robert's life. His family moved from Peaster to Cross Plains in 1919, so okay. he was 13 years old. So this is during the flu epidemic. Uh, during, yeah, 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 still during it. Uh, he witnessed a lot of strife between his parents. Okay. Uh, rooted at least partly in money trouble because of his sure. father's sure it's number inability, one inability. number one cause of yeah. separation. Yeah, and uh, he faced bullying as a kid. Okay. Was he the oldest, the youngest, and only, only. an only? Oh wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Speaking as an only myself, I was, I was like, going to say, I, this all yeah. makes so much sense now. <laughs> uh, he was surrounded by the rough and violent culture of just past close of the frontier Texas. Mm-hmm. And so this is still, you know, we're not even two decades into the 20th century yet. Yeah, we're I mean, not, Arizona. We're, we're, not, we're not through the second decade of the 20th century. Oklahoma, yet. Arizona, New Mexico had just become states by yeah. the time he's walking. Yes. Yeah. And so. Uh, he heard firsthand accounts mm-hmm. from neighbors and friends of the family of Native American raids, gunfights, feuds sure. between early settlers, and unfortunately lynchings. Right. He developed. Well, Texas has the needs killing law. Yeah. And uh, which is, if you can assemble twelve guys, they can act as jury. Yes. Because it's so wide open that sometimes uh-huh. someone needs killing. Apparently. Yeah. So. Uh, he developed, because of all this, he yeah. developed a sense of omnipresent violence in the world. He attached value to physical strength and uh-huh. prowess, and he absorbed the unavoidable kind of ugly racism that sure. was prevalent in society at the time. Uh, this last one is an unfortunate trait he shares with Lovecraft, mm-hmm. and we're going to come back around to it. Okay. He wrote a lot. He got published for the first time at the age of 20, which convinced him to drop out of college for a while. His okay. father, his father wanted him to get a degree, a degree in accountancy. Sure. And he he did eventually finish the degree because you know his father was 
pushing him to do it. Okay. But, but as soon as he could make a living viably as a writer for the Pulps, mm-hmm. he, he was done. flung that out yeah. the window. He was done. He's one of the founding figures of the weird fiction genre and is considered the father of sword and sorcery. All right. Back it up just a okay. hair. What is weird fiction compared to other fictions? Weird fiction... <laughs> weird fiction is the Tao. The Tao that you can speak of is not the true Tao. Okay. Weird fiction is really is is one of those things that it, the definition kind of depends on which science fiction writer you ask. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, I would say, the easiest shorthand I can think of, and I and I know I've got writer friends who are who are going to tell me I'm so fucking wrong, mm-hmm. but. Right now, off the top of my head, the best kind of way I can describe it is if you imagine magical realism. Okay. And then make it desperately unsettling. Okay, so there's like an unsettling horror component to it. Gothic, eldritch. Sure. Kind of stuff. Witch huntery. There are intelligences out in the universe, and it's not that they hate us. They are just utterly coldly indifferent. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I could see that. All right. So... Uh, and he he's responsible, Howard, is responsible for creating a platoon of pulp characters. But the one we're here to talk about is Conan, because Conan is the one that's stuck in the, in the popular imagination. Sure. Now, um, to talk about the origin of the character, mm-hmm. Howard had been fascinated by Celtic ideas and themes for a number of years by the time he came up with Conan. He had traced and studied his own Irish heritage. Okay. Uh, okay. And so. and he had written to other members of the Lovecraft circle about Celtic cultural ideas and concepts. Now I need to talk a little bit about the Lovecraft circle. Sure. Um, so Weird Tales was the, the incubator mm-hmm. for sword and sorcery. It was the incubator for weird fiction. It was the incubator for what has become now today the Cthulhu mythos with H.P. Lovecraft as as the guy most centrally responsible for developing that. And so Howard, um, if I remember correctly, Lovecraft got a story published in Weird Tales. Okay. And Howard was really impressed, blown away with it. And Mm -hmm. and he, of course, because this is the, the 19 late 1920s, early 1930s. He, he was in consistent uh, correspondence with the editor. He had developed a relationship with the editor uh-huh. because he'd been submitting over and over and the editor had been writing back saying, yeah, this is good, but punch it up, do this, that, and the other. And so he wrote to the editor and said, hey, this guy Lovecraft, you know, I'd, I'd, like, to, I'd like to talk to him about his stuff. Can you, can you give me his address? Sure. And of course, since it was, you know, 1929, 1930. Sure. It was like, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. And well, so. Well, I mean, in the newspaper, like if you were interviewed in the newspaper, they would say. Of. You. This of address. this address. Yeah. You know, like yeah. that was just in the article. It was just a thing. Yeah. Uh, they had books sitting out hanging off of telephones that were posted on streets. Yeah. For, you know, decades that yeah, had our, all of our addresses. Yeah. In our, 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 yeah. Our, 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 our current. 21st century concept of, of yeah. you know, privacy data, and data yeah. privacy is, a, is the paradigm is completely different. Yeah. So, but anyway, well, he, let me, let me just back okay. you up a second. So he's writing and, and he starts, well, he's born in 06. Yeah. He gets published in 26, 27. 26. Um, the world collapses in on itself in, in 29. Um, the Dust Bowl is kicking up uh, by 31, 32. Yeah. 
and he's still finding success as a writer because yeah. pulp novels are cheap. Or, or, well, he he was not uh, he was not getting published via novels. No, but I mean pulp mags. Pulp, pulp magazines. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're cheap. Yeah. So they're yeah. easy. Um, and so he's he's not necessarily suffering from the economic strife that everybody is. But where he grew up is where all the yellow dust came from. Yes. So a great deal of it, yeah. Okay, so I'm I'm just I'm curious as to how the depression impacted him. Um in terms of like was there a shift in his writing? Did he escape more into his fantasy world? I think were there desert scapes more, high plains like I Cuz you mentioned scrub and whatnot. Yeah. So I think looking back over over his writing, I mm-hmm. think his what motivated him to write, mm-hmm. and we're gonna we're I'm gonna talk about that in a bit. Sure. The 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 things that were that were driving his need to throw ink on the page mm-hmm. were the only word that comes to mind is deeper. They they were rooted. Okay. Too too deeply to really be. It was an artistic compulsion it, it was more than arti- it was. Yeah, yeah it okay. really was. And, okay. and if you, and if you read his prose, mm-hmm. like you can tell, he's just. He's channeling himself. He's channeling. Kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. It's yeah. We'll, we'll, okay. Yeah. So so anyway, he he wrote to Lovecraft, and Lovecraft wrote back, and mm-hmm. they became best buddies. Now, without, is without he still ever living meeting, in Texas? He's he's in he's in uh, dividing his time between Cross Plains and I want to say Houston. Okay. So he's he staying in Texas. School. He's proper, still in though. Texas. Okay. Still in Texas. Okay. And so he earned the nickname Two Gun Bob. Mm-hmm. From H.P. Lovecraft, mm-hmm. because a whole lot of the stuff that he talked about was the the frontier stories of sure. the gunfighters and all that stuff that he that he knew about. He was he was an encyclopedic mm-hmm. source of information about the Southwest. He 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 absorbed all this stuff like sure. a sponge and would tell anybody who would listen. He was to that what I am to wrestling, basically. Okay, got it. And so. Um, Anyway, so he corresponded with with Lovecraft, mm-hmm. and he and Lovecraft had very very deep seated differences of worldview. Okay, about the shape of the universe, about the role of man, mm-hmm. and especially about civilization. Okay, and we're gonna get to it. Mm-hmm. But so so he's writing Lovecraft, and he's writing these other guys that are that are in this same correspondence circle. Sure. And all of these, it's like a fraternity almost through the mail uh-huh. of these guys who are all submitting all this stuff to all these pulp magazines, but especially to Weird Tales. Okay. Okay. And so um, so he'd been writing with these guys about all these Celtic themes. He was really interested in all this Celtic stuff. Mm-hmm. And in early 1932, he and a couple of his actual IRL friends were taking a road trip, mm-hmm. kind of a vacation across across Texas. And he wound up, they they holed up someplace and it was raining and he was looking out over the countryside and looking out over these rain shrouded sullen hills. The idea came came forth out of wherever it had been brewing in his subconscious of a northern land of reaving barbarians called Cimmeria. Mm-hmm. By March he had completed the first three Conan stories, The Phoenix on the Sword, The Frost Giant's Daughter, and The God in the Bowl. 
Cool names. They represent three different phases of Conan's life. Okay. And all of the other Conan stories fit somewhere in between those three. Those are his set pieces. Those are those are kind of the set pieces. Those are, as as Doctor Who would say, the fixed points in time. Those are episodes four, five, and six, around which all the EU gets written. Uh, yeah, 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 essentially. Okay. Um, or three, six, and and seven. Yeah, yeah. Depending on how you want yeah. to define that. So Weird Tales published the Phoenix on the Sword in December okay. of thirty two after multiple back and forth with the editor and a bunch sure. of rewrites. Now, are these these are short stories, then? These are short stories. Okay, okay. Yeah, all, all of these, nearly everything I'm going to talk about when I'm talking about Howard and Conan is uh-huh. a short story. Okay. Uh, there were a couple of novelettes. Uh, the full-length novels didn't come along until after Howard was dead. And Interesting. That's, that's okay. forward in the timeline. We'll get there. Um, so the Hyborian Age, which is this world that he had created in which Cimmeria was, was this, you know, northern land of Reavers. Uh-huh. He fleshed it out in an 8,000-word essay after those first three stories were submitted to Weird Tales. Mm-hmm. Now, he was a history nerd, okay? Okay. But writing historical fiction mm-hmm. means you actually have to spend time doing research. Sure. He's writing for the pulps. He doesn't have time to do research. So by creating this world of his own, mm-hmm. he creates this pseudo-historical setting that... It feels like he's writing historical fiction, but mm-hmm. he doesn't have to waste time going to the library, right? Right. You know, to get his details right. Yeah. So you know, so yeah. for a pulp writer, this is this this oh, is yeah. the best way to go. He's, like, he's very well equipped to yeah. do what he's doing. Yeah. And by the time the Phoenix on the Sword was actually published, mm-hmm. so remember he finished the first three in March uh-huh. of thirty-two. Of thirty-two. Okay. It was published finally in December of thirty-two. Okay. That was the first Conan story to get published. By the time that was actually printed, Howard had written nine more Conan stories. That's one a month. That's a hell of a compulsion. That Yes, that's one a month mm-hmm. just for Conan. Right. He was writing and getting other stuff printed in other magazines mm-hmm. at the, the same time and, to yeah. pay the bills. Okay. okay. The, the, the output he had was, the only word I can think of is frenetic. Yeah, okay. that's a good word for it, yeah. Um, and, and... Um, this is the days before email. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah. is this is when he had a mechanical typewriter at best. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah, no. It so was clickety clackety and then put it in a big old envelope and then send it on. And some of them simply say it was a response to major emotional stress. Yeah. I mean it's also that's that's a very it seems to me that's a very spur of the moment decision. Had there been any suicide attempts prior to that? Not prior to that one. Right. I mean it's it's a you know, they say that people who survive suicide attempts very, very often regret them. Yeah. You know, and they're yeah. glad that they failed yeah. at it, you yeah. know. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, wow. His his father his father and the nurse heard the gunshot, rushed out, found him in the car, and he he died hours later. Never, yeah. never, never regained consciousness, but the, the, the damage was, was at too 30. severe. At 30. Wow. Um... And and the quote there's there's a there's a really great quote from Stephen King in, mm-hmm. in Dance Macabre and it's not actually very complimentary about Howard. Mm-hmm. Um, what he says is that that talent is a is a cheap commodity. It's as cheap as table salt. Uh, the the skill every writer is given a knife, mm-hmm. and it's a knife that can only cut with very great force. Mm-hmm. And if you try to cut with a blunt knife. 
mm-hmm. you have to swing it almighty hard. Right. And eventually, if you keep doing that too much, the knife is going to break in your hands. And he references Howard. Interesting. In the quote. And then he says, and this, this, is, this is how I, I've always seen it as a backhanded compliment to Howard. Uh-huh. He says, some of us, none of us are born with a sharp knife. Uh-huh. Some of us are given an almighty big knife, and those are the ones that we call geniuses. Okay. So. He never sharpened his. To King. Right. Because, I mean, look at King's output, for fuck's sake. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, like, like to anybody like me who's an armchair, like, I want to be a novelist. Uh-huh. And, you know, I start try- every November. I think about, okay, I'm going to try NaNoWriMo. And I get 15 pages in, and I just can't yeah, you're done. go any further. I'm done. Anybody who can churn out a novel mm-hmm. is like, all right, you're all a respect. badass. Yeah. All respect. Um, you know, and and anybody who can put out mm-hmm. that level of of work, yeah, over the course of, you know, we're we're talking about over the course of four years, putting out you know seventeen published short stories and a whole ream mm-hmm. of stuff that got published posthumously. Mm-hmm. And again, he was still writing other characters. This, you know, Conan was seventeen stories, right? Uh, you know, uh, Cull the Conqueror was another four or five. That was his two. Solomon, yes, yeah, Solomon Kane was his two. No Red shit. Sonia was his two. That I know. Okay. Um, Just so you I know, got, I got Stephen list. King published yeah. sixty-one novels, including seven under a pen name. Yeah, and over two hundred short stories. Mm-hmm. He's still alive, by the way. Look how much longer he's survived, you know. Yeah, yeah, it turns out. Yeah. Um, he is uh, just a few years younger than my dad. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, the the joke about Stephen King, by the way, was that when... You remember he had that horrible car accident? Oh, yeah. Right? Terrible. Yeah. Awful. Uh, yeah. And they said... Drunk driver hit him. Yeah. And yeah. he... he uh, his next novel was slowed down by about 45 minutes. <laughs> You know, <laughs> on the one hand, that's an awful joke. On the other hand, all all credit to King. Yeah, it's not entirely wrong. No. So he he Howard mm-hmm. killed himself. Yes, and he created a number of powerful, evocative characters: Cull of Atlantis, also known as Cull the Conqueror, Solomon Kane, who I already mentioned, Red Sonia, mm-hmm. and uh, one of his personal favorite characters. Mm-hmm was a character nobody remembers anymore today, except people who were like deep pulp fiction nerds. Sure. Named Sailor Steve Costigan, whose stories were published in pulp magazines that had to do with boxing mm-hmm. and and gritty kind of, you know, sailor yarn kind yeah, of stories. Sounds very Irish. Yeah. yeah. And 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 Sailor Steve was this, you know, tough rough tough Sailor, mm-hmm. who, merchant marine guy who who ran into misadventures in foreign ports sure. that always involved him, you know, fighting his way out of him with his bare knuckles and, you know, okay. very, very macho, you know, pulp sure. stuff. And and none of those characters mm-hmm. had any anything like the level of success that Conan did. Yeah, okay. Conan wound up being his big seller. Um... um Sherlock Holmes uh-huh. was Conan Doyle's big moneymaker. Right. In Conan Doyle's case, he got so sick of the character, he killed him off. He tried to kill him off at one point and right. had to bring him back because of popular demand. Uh, you know, uh, Conan Doyle preferred his um, 
his other stories, uh, the, the White Company, okay. which were a couple of stories, and um, the, the I want to say the Brigadier Gerard. I'm going to have to look it up. Mm-hmm. Which was a series, wonderful series of stories about a, a Napoleon Hussar colonel. Okay, reminiscing years after the war, telling stories of all his all his adventures. That you know, now now that everything's over, I can tell you all about all this stuff. Sure, you sure. Know? Those were his favorite characters, but the one that made him all his money was Sherlock Holmes. Right. Conan was the one that made uh, uh, Howard all of his money mm-hmm. and was probably the one closest to his own... Ideal self. Id. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so after he died, mm-hmm. at first his, his father controlled the literary rights to his estate and everything. Okay. And then uh, it, it went back and forth. There were There were... There, there were issues with ownership of the rights. And in the mid-60s, L. Sprague de Camp and Charles de Lint mm-hmm. um, got a publishing deal to start reprinting Howard's work in the 60s. Okay. And then this led to a Howard boom in the 70s with those huh. stories picking up in paperback. Right. And then de Camp and Lint writing more. In in the, in the style. Conan in the yeah is is in in the style of Howard right with with the character and selling like hotcakes yeah yeah okay so let me let me back it up just a hair yeah. um in the sixties they yeah. they get the rights I recall when we talked about Tolkien I think yeah. I'd mentioned about how there was a resurgence for Tolkien in the sixties um. Because well, college Tolkien, students had found Tolkien, some of Tolkien, his stuff. I would I wouldn't call Tolkien a resurgence so mm-hmm. much as his stuff was originally published in the fifties mm-hmm. and it was kind of hanging out. Mm-hmm. It hadn't ever really had like, oh, like okay. it, it hadn't ever peaked and then like hit a valley and then right. come back. It okay. was it's out here, it's out here, it's out here. And, and the hippies figure out about Frodo and we're off to the races. Gotcha. So it's roughly the same time. It's, it's the same kind of time. So, at, but but yeah. it's a different demographic. Oh, it is. Okay, that was Conan. my. Okay, that was my you next know, question. If you if you look up Conan novels, yes. on Google, um, everything you're going to see is going to be a painting by Frank Frazetta. If you go yes. to the images page, yes, uh, Frank Frazetta painted the covers to to nearly all of these Mm -hmm. and the imagery of those covers came to define the character Mm -hmm. despite the fact they don't actually look very much like the way conan's described in the stories really yes um so in in the books Uh conan was strong sure he was athletic but he wasn't a body bodybuilder he didn't. He didn't look like a muscle man. He wasn't. He wasn't bulky or heavily muscled. Okay. His greatest physical asset, and 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 Howard talks about this all the time, uh-huh. was his cat-like grace and his speed. Oh, interesting. He was. He was a speed bruiser. He, he did hit like a ton of bricks, but but right. It was not being the big powerful guy that won things for him. It was his his grace and his skill. Interesting, because I remember there was a role playing game of Conan. Yes. Uh, I know because I played it a bit with my dad. Yeah. Um, and it was the the pictures were clearly based on uh, the Frazetta, right? Oh uh, yeah, his art. Well, because they're so evocative. Yes. Uh, I mean, one of the things one of the things Frazetta was really great at uh-huh. was number one, cap- capturing idealized human figures. Yeah, the classical, the classical yeah. kind of kind of human figures. Yeah, is amazing, and his ability to work with light and shadow. Yes. And create an entire mood. Yes, 
is absolutely amazing. Oh, like, there is not a single Frank Frazetta painting that you don't immediately have an emotional reaction to. Uh, you know what? I'm going to come back to that in just a second okay. because there's a hilarious story about five-year-old me. Okay. Um, but so that that game, though, mm. right? Uh, so that game, he was listed as a, and I don't forget, I don't remember exactly the mechanic, but he was listed, uh, you could play like four stock characters. There was okay. Conan uh, and three of his buddies, right? Okay. And Conan was a fighter and a thief. Yes. And his buddy was a fighter and not a thief. And his buddy was a better fighter than Conan was, but Conan had the advantage of being a thief too. Yeah. And it was very much emphasized in that game that Conan was kind of the... You know in the video games where you can play a super lightweight guy, a super heavyweight guy, or the guy who's in the middle? Yeah. And the guy who's in the middle is always the star of the uh, yeah. star on the box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Conan was very much that, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. you know, what, what do you want to play an extreme or something that yeah. covers both? All right. So, so his litheness, his cat-like grace, like you said, absolutely fits into that. Yeah. Now, I want to back up. So, I'm five years old. Okay. Uh, and my dad has just kind of come into my life. I'm uh, adopted by him yeah. later on. Uh, and uh, and he lives with us. We're in our flat in San Francisco. Okay. Um, I forget which one because we we moved literally one building over at one point. Okay. We put down a plank and just slid stuff across to the yeah. other. Okay. So we're living in our flat, and I'm sick. I I've got a stomach bug or something like that, or maybe it was when I I I'd gotten blood poisoning from uh, uh, Redwood Splinter. Oh Jesus! Um, and I didn't tell anybody okay. for months. I was five, Uh, you know, uh, and uh, my mom took me to the hospital or to the doctors because I couldn't move my finger because it was swollen up like Andre the Giant finger and I had red streaks going up my arm. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You know. Okay. Um, Time for like intravenous antibiotics. Yeah, I I was given a lot of penicillin. So no kidding. Pink, chalky. Good God. Yeah. Yeah. I'm amazed they didn't set you up with an IV and tell you you were not moving. You know, I don't remember that much. Um, Okay. But But it was the 80s. Yeah. So So I think it was around that time. So my mom had these really large pillows. I remember a lot of sense memory. Had these really large pillows that I would use as wrestling mats for my figures, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, And I'm sitting there in, I think, the living room on several large pillows. And there's different colors to them. Uh, there's an orange and a green one, and I'm sitting on there. And my dad comes home from work, and he's still getting to know me, and he's into miniatures. And there's this wonderful picture of the two of us looking at the Battle of Waterloo that he's setting oh, up nice. and stuff yeah, like yeah. that, right? Very cool. And so he had shown me Conan the Barbarian, I think, on VHS, okay. and we had a VHS okay. player at this point. Okay. Um, and I might be compressing things, but. Uh, so I knew Conan. I knew Conan, but from the TV version. So I didn't okay. know Conan touching Sandal Bergman's boob. I didn't yeah. know Conan okay. uh, fighting the witch lady who... Yeah, who, who, who bursts into flames. Turns, right. turns out to be some kind of demon bursts yeah. into flames. You know, because yeah. uh, you got to go the crosswords of Zamora and all that. Yeah, I, yeah. I didn't know that part. I just knew the edited for TV version, right? Yeah. Um, and so they'd show you parts of that scene and then quickly skip on, you know? Yeah. So he's showing me these these posters that he brought home, mm-hmm. and they're nice, like twelve by fifteen posters, you know, uh-huh. of of Conan stuff, and it's Frazetta, um, and he shows me, and it's it's Conan fighting the these goblins, right? And it's really yeah. cool, and then it's Conan taking on this guy, and then he's like really talking it up. He's okay. Like, hey, are you ready for the next one? I don't want to make you upset. Like this is really scary. I'm like, no, no, I can do it. And it's Conan fighting this ape man, which. In Conan the Destroyer, he does fight yes. in that Hall of Mirrors, right? Yeah. And it's that same thing, 
And I'd seen the Destroyer with him by this point, I think. Okay. Um, and he shows it to me. And at that very moment, I had to throw up. <laughs> and so he thought that he literally scared, uh, scared me into you throwing into vomiting. up. That's um, funny. And uh, so this <laughs> this awful. podcast is my confession that yeah. no, indeed, I was, I was just, just sick. You were just sick. But yeah. uh, I had to run to Chunder, uh, <laughs> and I didn't make it very far. And he and it was when he'd showed <laughs> me that. <laughs> and the poor guy, you know, yeah. he's, you know, in some ways, he's, you know, he's he's reaching out to me because I'm a really cool kid. Yeah. But also, I'm the kid of the gal that he's digging. Yeah. So yeah. you know, oh, there's, yeah, like, oh man, how do I, I screw how to, this up, right. dude? So <laughs> oh hell, I'm gonna be on the couch tonight. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I'm not because it's got vomit all over it. You know. <laughs> Oh, you really didn't make oh, it very I, far. Yeah, all I, right. I threw okay. up my body weight. It was great. So, <laughs> yeah. But And you know what? With that, I'm going to ask that we take a break for a short okay. commercial. Hello, Geek Timers. This is Producer George interrupting this podcast to let you know that we have space available. This space could be used to promote your product, book, event, group, even wish a special someone happy birthday. If you're interested in using this space, please contact us on Twitter via private message at Geek History Time. And we're back. Uh, commercial Indeed. like that, doesn't that just make people want to like throw money at us so that they can buy that space? Oh, oh yeah. Just bank it rain. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I, I strongly yeah. recommend reach out to us yeah, please. Um, on Twitter. Uh, yeah. You could message us independently at yeah. Duh Harmony uh, or at E.H. Blaylock. Um, and cut a separate deal with either of us. We're yeah, corrupt. We're, That's we're, fine. We're bribable. <laughs> we're, we're, uh, we're, we're totally fine making separate piece. Yeah. Or yeah. if you want, yeah. uh, you can you can email the uh, at Geek Harmony uh, on, on the Twitter, and then you'll keep you us mean, all you honest. at Geek History of Time? Yes. Sorry. Not Geek Harmony. Geek, so Geek I'm Harmony trying to set like, up uh, my own subsidiary. Like going into business for yourself. A <laughs> little bit. A little bit. Yeah. Like you I know, said, Geek, we're Geek corrupt. Geek Harmony sounds yeah. like, like kind, of, kind yeah. of a weird dating service. I don't know about that. You know that might be something that they're advertising on the Facebooks right now. They they, they might be could be I don't know. All but right. uh, or at Geek Blaylock, you know. Just yeah, there you go. You know. Yeah, you know, <laughs> cover your bases, so, send it to all of them. Yeah, shotgun but, it. Yeah, you know. But you you could wish somebody a happy birthday. You know, yeah, you, you could yeah. absolutely like like the like the uh, the ads have said like there's any number of things you could do with that space. Yes, um, it could be just me reading uh, eight seconds of uh, John Keats. Uh, or or I might, John I might, Yeats? I, might, I don't know. I might yeah. actually pay money for that just, okay. just because that's weird. Yeah, eight seconds yeah, at a time. Right. Yeah, know. eight seconds at a time. John Keats for the eights. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> when when we left off... Yes. Um, we were talking about the Frazetta aesthetic. Yes. And, and it enough was... Enough to make a kid throw you know, up. Much, enough to make a kid throw up or to make an adolescent boy... Not throw up mm-hmm. um, because uh, Frazetta did did love him some some lithe curvy women. Yeah. Well, um, here's here's an example. I'm just going to yeah, show okay. you uh, of uh, again. I think it's an homage to Howard. Okay. Actually, uh, but it's very much Conan and lithe curvy women. There you go, Howard the Duck. <laughs> yes, with with a red Sonia impersonator in the background. Uh huh. Yeah. 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 So. And and you see the menacing shadow that yeah, is Conan. Yeah, the menacing shadow that is yeah. Conan about to kick the duck's ass. Yes. 
So, speaking of comics. Yes. The Frazetta aesthetic got carried forward into the comics. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, when he's not dressed like, you know, a, a business manager for ladies of ill repute, uh, Conan in the comics is this... He's, he's, a superheroic, yeah. he's a superheroic figure. Yes. Because if you're a comic book artist, that's what you're most familiar with drawing. Yeah. And and that that sells the idea of, you know, barbarian warrior. Right. You know, uh, more easily. Oh, yeah. More, more clearly in a visual medium than, you know, drawing a guy who's kind of athletic and, and yeah. you know. But, yeah. I think that's kind of what makes the movie Snatch work really well, actually, is the fact that um, Brad Pitt... Yeah. Looks nothing like that, and he's knocking people out. Yeah, you know, like yeah. that's that's kind of the juxtaposition. That's, that's, yeah, it, it so is. So it's still and, responding yeah. to it. Yeah, you know. Oh yeah. Well, it's it's that's responding to the underlying mm-hmm. ideas and themes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, and and so talking about the comics in 1970, Marvel published a Conan the Barbarian series. Yes. And the success of that led to the magazine Savage mm-hmm. Sword of Conan starting in 74. Okay. Which was a black and white magazine-sized anthology mm-hmm. of some stuff that was inspired by the Howard stories, some mm-hmm. stuff that was inspired by the by the DeCamp and, mm-hmm. the, and the DeLint stories, and some stuff that was just new, mm-hmm. you know, created for, for the comics and had more adult themes and artwork. So... That's so, 74. Yeah. Do you know when Arnold gets to America? Because I think in 74 he was in a movie called Hercules in New York. I don't know if that was 70. I don't That might have been that later. was that early. Was 74 when he did... 75 is when he did Pumping Iron. Yeah. Yeah. 75 was Pumping Iron. Okay. So, so he was he was probably in the yeah, States. It's, yeah, it's... Okay. This is yeah. this is a thing that's growing yeah. in, the, in the lexicon. Yeah. So in 78... Mm-hmm. Uh, Marvel actually even started producing a daily Conan strip for newspapers. Oh, wow. That ran through 1981. Wow. So he's still out there in the public consciousness. Right. He's still this character that's selling magazines. Right for there Marvel. under Barney Google and, yeah, and, and yeah, Mary and, Worth. And Prince Valiant. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Prince Valiant. Yeah. yeah. And Mark Trail. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And, and so shit. when I was in junior high and high school, mm-hmm. I discovered the reprints of the Savage Sword. Okay. magazines and how did you find them um how did i find them i'm trying to even remember i think mm-hmm. off the top of my head mm-hmm. there there was a section in the, the magazine section in the uh, navy exchange at miramar had a shelf or a, a set of shelves okay one one rack essentially that was that was comics of all and, and whoever was buying their comics was mm-hmm. buying all kinds of eclectic stuff, because that was also where I first saw my, my where I saw my first ever copy of the Nam. You remember that series? Yes. They they had that on the shelf. They had several Marvel superhero titles, wow. and they had Savage Sword of Conan, and just kind of hodgepodge. Kind of kind of like okay, sounds like a PX. Yeah, it you know, really does. Really does. Yeah, and so, but I but I found Savage Sword, and one of the, I remember vividly one of the first stories I opened it up to uh-huh. had this great, very Howard esque, you know, text opening sure. about you know it's this swamp on the on the outskirts of Aquilonia where the red and black legions have met each other and fought each other to a to a bloody you know sure. a bloody stalemate, and the only survivors of the battle 
or a Sumerian mercenary who's been taken prisoner by one of the officers of the Red Legion. And oh, so wow. Conan and this lone survivor wind up having to travel through this swamp and they run into a sure. sorcerer or a witch or some monster. I don't even remember anymore. But it was just like the opening line of the intro uh-huh. just like grabbed me by the forebrain and was like, no, no, no. No, no, you're going to fucking read this. That's cool. And it was amazing. And then I found a couple of other copies, you know, as time sure. went on. I got yeah, other yeah. copies of it and I realized that um, this this was a way to get a hold of uh, 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 pictures of nearly naked women mm. that I would be able to bring home under the cover of, uh, yeah, mom, can I pick up this comic? Cool. That's like an elf and, quest for other people. Yeah, 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 yeah kind of. Um, There's a local comic here in Sacramento named yeah. Keith Lowell Jensen. I'm going to okay. drop his name. Yeah. Uh, he has an album called Elf Quest. <laughs> yeah. No, it's called Elf Orgy. I'm sorry. Oh, nice. Because okay. of Elf Quest. Be- because Quest. of Elf Quest. Yes. Yeah. So, um, so this this character is out there in the Zitgeist. This character okay. is, is still out there pushing pushing magazines. Yes. People are still buying it. People comic are still eating it up. Yeah. And and so that leads fighting to... the Hulk. By the way, he fights the Hulk at one point in oh, the yeah, comics. He does doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. When when Marvel was like, well, we got the rights to this character. What are we going to do with it? Yeah. Um, Let's put him with Conan. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well done. Thank you. So you know, and, and the question is, it's like of all the characters that Howard created, mm-hmm. why was this one? Mm-hmm. This this specific dude. Why was this one the one that, that caught fire? Well, and it had morphed so much. Like you said, Howard created him as this lithe fellow. Yeah. And by the time it's catching fire in the zeitgeist, I mean, it had pulled through. Yeah. His his adventures, I would imagine, him being the protagonist. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. But but the visual aspect, you start to see it like go from like, wow, he's doing really well. And then suddenly it hockey sticks because yeah. it becomes yeah. iconic. Yes. And... and- <clears throat> the the visual representations, the association mm-hmm. with the Frazetta stuff, all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff, is definitely part of it. Yes. My theory is mm-hmm. that it that it has a lot to do with the themes embodied by. Embodied, oh. nice. Okay. Oh yeah. Made that. When I wrote that in my notes, that uh-huh. wasn't a pun. I uh-huh. just want to say. So Howard's other characters uh-huh. are all one note sketches. Okay, Sailor Steve Costigan is a bare knuckle fighter who travels the world. Sure. Solomon Kane is an avenging Puritan swordsman. Uh huh. Which in the stories comes across as a hell of a lot more awesome than that sounds as a one line pitch. <laughs> Red Sonia is a Hellcat with a sword. She's female Conan. Uh, no. No? In the actual Howard stories, uh-huh. um, she's a semi historical mercenary commander who, who was actually inspired by a real. By historical Budica? no oh okay no an italian a female uh, italian consigliere oh in the 1500s um, i want to say and i don't remember i can't remember the name off the top of one of medici's no uh no no lucretia no. borgia no no okay no a, a, i'm running a, out of ideas a mercenary com- a female a female mercenary, mercenary commander. commander yeah wow so conan uh-huh is the only one of them who ever has the opportunity to develop a real personality and that personality is really compelling. Okay. Okay. Uh, the stories themselves are kinetic and the language itself is is vital. Mm-hmm. An example here. I, I, I took, a, took an excerpt. Sure. Just listen to this. Yeah. Outside, the moan of the tortured thousands shuddered up to the stars, which crusted the sweating Vendian night, and the conchs bellowed like oxen in pain. 
In the gardens of the palace, the torches glinted on polished helmets and curved swords and gold-chased corslets. All the noble-born fighting men of Ayodhya were gathered in the great palace or about it, and at each broad-arched gate and door, fifty archers stood on guard with bows in their hands. But death stalked through the royal palace, and none could stay its ghostly hand. On the dais under the golden dome, the king cried out again, racked by awful paroxysms. Again his voice came faintly and far away, and again the devi bent to him, trembling with a fear that was darker than the terror of death. That's the opening. That, that, mm -hmm. is, that is the cold open for the people of the Black Circle. Okay. From 1934. His, his, I've, I've said before that I'm a sucker for prose. Yes, you are. And, and, um, Fahrenheit 451 mm -hmm. is an amazing example of, of prose that is, that just bumps right up against the edge of being poetic. Mm -hmm. And Howard his his language and the way he describes everything just like practically leaps off the page. Mm -hmm. It's 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 immensely evocative and everything captures an emotion and a mood almost immediately. Yeah, when you were reading it, I was like, you know, listening obviously to how you were reading it and and the tone that you were taking with it, but it seemed like the the words were almost like um like you see in movies where people step into a swamp and the darkness folds around them. Yeah. That's what the it feels like the world sags in the middle and pulls you in. Yeah. Not so much it leaps off the page, but it sags yeah, in the middle and pulls actually, you into that's actually that's that's a better I like that better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so Conan You are a sucker for prose. Yeah. Conan has has a code of honor. Mm-hmm. That code is barbaric and kind of amoral, but it okay. is unbreakable. Okay. Mm -hmm. He's a survivor first and foremost. Mm -hmm. He'll fight dirty against an enemy. He'll steal. He'll do what needs to be done. And he doesn't spend time feeling guilty about it. Sure. He's vigorous and he's fearless and he's defiant. Mm -hmm. He's a hedonist, but he's not decadent. Okay. That not decadent part is a core part of Howard's philosophy. We'll come back around to it. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, in the 30s, as you mentioned talking about the Depression, everybody mm -hmm. was struggling. At the start of nearly all of his stories, Conan is either broke mm -hmm. or stuck somehow. And in the few stories where he isn't, he's facing the immediate threat of peril. Okay. The very first story that got published, uh -huh. The Phoenix on the Sword, or Phoenix on the Yeah, Phoenix on the Sword, involves an assassination plot against him after he's become king of Aquilonia. It's actually King Conan. The very first one is, is the last one in the story right. chronology. He he has he killed the previous king right. when he was essentially commander of, the, of that king's mercenary bodyguard. That king became corrupt and went mad, whatever. Sure. He killed him and took the throne. And so he's king of Aquilonia, and he finds out there's this assassination plot against him, and there's sorcery involved on both sides. And mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. So, so he's the king, mm -hmm. but people are literally at the beginning of the story trying to kill him. There's so much that you just said there that like so many movies come to mind because again yeah. I don't read these kinds yeah. of books yeah. right. Um, so the first one I I think um, the very beginning like just the, at the start of most of these he's in trouble. My name's Ash. <laughs> yeah. You know where he's getting whipped. Yeah. And he's already in the stocks and pillory yeah. and that starts Army of Darkness. Yeah. You know. 
Uh, the other one that it, uh, it starts me thinking uh, immediately is uh, the Chronicles of Riddick. Okay. Um, Good way at to go the, back to. Uh, well, actually, come to think of it, it, it to me, it gets gets me from... No, yeah. In fact, he starts off in peril in all three of them. But in the beginning of the third one, the movie Riddick, which yeah. to me is actually not the best movie, but my favorite of the three. Yeah. My favorite... The best one is Black... Uh, pitch black. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, Chronicles of Riddick is just a, a steaming pile of horseshit. Yeah. Uh, but there's there's at the very beginning it's <laughs> the really good. Really thick. Yeah. No. <laughs> at, the, the at the beginning, beginning it's the really beginning good. The movie is awesome, and then and then it's goes, like, oh, we are going to build a world. It's like nobody asked you to. We, we um, don't. We don't care. <laughs> yeah. Like the the world you're building is not one we give a shit about. Yeah. Exactly. Like, you know, yeah. like I don't care. Um. But at the beginning of the third one, it starts with a plot against him. Yeah. And and then he ends up on that world and he's living his best life, quite frankly. Yeah. Uh, but it, so it's the same. So again, people are just constantly responding to yeah. this to this this kind of yeah, theme. Yeah. Yeah. And so this 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 was powerful in the '30s because everybody was struggling. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, and seeing him face these per- perils mm-hmm. with a cynical, defiant laugh. Right. And then overcome them mm-hmm. through speed, mm-hmm. cunning, and ferocity. Oh wow, that's so 1930s. Made him. This, yeah. this is this is my subthesis. He is the id to Superman's superego. Okay. See, because I'm looking at the 30s of you. You mentioned hedonist. Yeah. It's time America had a drink again. Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Uh, true. You mentioned 30s. Everybody needed a drink in yeah. the 30s. For you know. Uh, you mentioned the 30s, uh, and uh, he's starting with struggle, like you said. Yeah. But he comes through it with what three things you said? Speed? Uh, speed, cunning, and ferocity. Right. All three things are essentially kind of what, across the world, whether you're far left, far right, or in the middle. So the Hitler Jungen, yeah. the communist youth, mm-hmm. or the Boy Scouts... <laughs> it's this worship of youth. Vitality. Vitality. Yeah. And we get back to my Captain America episode yes. about the CCC. The C- yes. And and you get back to the Roosevelt And a lot of those guys ideal. the CCC were reading weird tales. Exactly. Where, yeah. Because it's cheap. It's on sale in the town. And it's cathartic. Yes. And you got five bucks to spend for the month. Yeah. You might as well make it last you're by gonna, reading You're going to spend a couple of dimes on, on, right. on a pulp novel. Yeah. So, so it's, pulp that's a very 1930s... Uh, kind of thing. Kind of thing. Yeah. Very much, yeah. So I could see that being really popular in the 70s because times are shit in the 70s. The 70s was just a crap decade. Yes. I mean, the only the only good things that came out of the 70s was we were born. Yeah. And uh, Star Wars. Yeah, well, okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Important. Yeah. You're yeah. right. Uh, Actually, but, come to think, there's a lot of good movies came out of the 70s. Well, yeah, because yeah. when times are shit, people get creative to as a way to cope with That's it. That's a really good point. Uh, That's a really good point. But the oil... For the United States... Yes. I'm going to say... The United States, who who had been riding high, yeah, through the for, through the late forties, well, the forties period after yeah. after the war, the forties into the fifties into the sixties, mm-hmm. on top of the world, ma! yes, yes, and then the late sixties happened, and everybody went the what, and yeah. then the seventies hit, and it was like poleaxing a bull, and <laughs> and so we had the oil crisis, yep, two of them, yep. Uh, the hostage crisis in Iran yep. at the very end of the decade. There was constantly the looming threat of the Cold War, the very first beginnings of automation and in industry in this country. True. Uh, the competition with Japan, specifically in the auto industry. If you want uh, more on that, you go back to our episode on Battletech. Yes. 
all of these things mm-hmm. created a situation where Conan's target demographic mm-hmm. felt threatened. Oh, wow. Okay. Seeing Conan overcome the pirates of the Black Coast or the Frost Giants or the Picts gave readers an outlet mm-hmm. and a story in which an obvious threat right. could be faced and overcome. With essentially, I'm going to borrow a 70s term, macho-ness. Oh, yeah, machismo. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And we get back to those Frazetta covers again. Right. Uh, beyond the cheesecake female figures, which are, you know, let's let's face it, the reason I really like them. Right. But the male figures are superheroic in shape. Mm-hmm. They embody strength. Right. They embody a masculine ideal. Mm-hmm. And now we got to go back to talking about Howard mm-hmm. and his philosophy. And at this point, I think mm-hmm. we've, we've reached a spot where we can stop. Sure. And I'll pick up with that in the next episode. Yeah. Uh, right now, uh-huh. what's, what's your takeaway from what we've talked about up to this point? Uh, I'm still stunned by the fact that he shot himself. Like, that, that hit me on a level that I was, number one, I just didn't expect the story to be like, and the author killed himself at 30. Yeah. Like, I, I expected that the author wouldn't have liked John Milius' version of it or something mm-hmm. like yeah, that. Yeah, there, there would have been some some kind of... Right, but yeah. no. Uh, like, yeah. And then I, I found it interesting that other people took up his writing. Yeah. And and added to the to the story. To, cause, to, to, the, to the lore. Yeah, the mythos, we tend so. to have a sense of propriety when it comes to an author. Yeah, we do. Which it, is... Which yeah. is Except and, with fantasy. Well, I'm, I'm because Tolkien's son acceptably well, Tolkien's, Tolkien's, wrote. Well, but Tolkien, no, Tolkien's son didn't write any of that. He edited the shit. Out. Okay, okay, yeah. Um, generally speaking, modernly in all of our fiction, mm-hmm. we we have this idea of well, you know, that's that's this person's work, right? And you know, the whole fan fiction movement mm-hmm. since since the beginning of the internet yes. and internet culture has has been this kind of pushback. Mm-hmm. against that idea that an author has ownership of their characters. Right. Talked a little bit about that when we did our thing about the, the, the Hogwarts houses. Yes. Um, and I think that would be a topic for another time that we could spend a lot. Oh, absolutely. We could get a lot out of. But well, I, I could I could probably find us some fanfic writers. Oh, I my my best buddy from college oh, there is, you go. is well-known in fanfic circles for both his Harry Potter stuff and his X-Files stuff. Oh, wow. Okay. Which goes back even further. Yeah. Uh, but what I, what I wanted to get around to saying is that mm-hmm. idea of of well you know this is this is Tolkien stuff this is King's right. stuff this is you know that that idea of ownership is a very modern invention it dates yes. to I would I would argue it's it's certainly post the invention of the printing press mm-hmm. it might be the printing press that did it because all of a sudden you had a written it's, form of the story being I was gonna say more it's normal stained on these yeah. membranes of, of whereas, trees whereas whereas when stories were orally transmitted people would add their you, own flair you as you as a minstrel mm-hmm. if you started telling an original story about your own character it was like who the fuck are you right no 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 I want to hear about Arthur. Right. Tell me about Arthur and, right. and throw Gawain in there because yeah. we like him here. Right, right. You know, uh, wait, 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 wait. Odysseus. Yeah. I want to hear about fucking Odysseus. What? Who is this? Who is this OC you're throwing at me? Right. I don't know this person from anybody. What right, the hell? Right. You know, and and that's the reason that so many of like the Arthurian stories mm-hmm. 
if you really read the 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 stuff, mm-hmm. you know, it, it reads like fanfic. Like, yeah, I'm oh, sorry. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. Gawain does what? Yeah. Like, like which That's, which which one of the knights can can become a giant? Like, right, right. It's like which, it's which like one wait. Of his... When did you ever establish that that Zetes and Calais had wings? What? Yeah, what? All, All of a, of a sudden, sudden, you didn't say that when like <laughs> yeah. you were when you were booking the cruise on the Argo. Yeah, no, you didn't. You mentioned a boxer. You mentioned a minstrel. You mentioned a pretty boy. You mentioned Hercules. You didn't think guys with wings deserved mention right there? Yeah. Like all of a sudden, yeah. Like out of nowhere, yeah. This is a left turn, yeah, yeah. Yes. So, so yeah, I get it. So, yeah. so that, so that it's for for me being uh-huh. a, a history of literature nerd. Mm-hmm. That's that's you know you you bringing that up, yeah, is 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 pointed for yes. me because yeah. it's like okay, you know, yeah. look, if we go farther back, right? They're they're in a way just carrying on a tradition that goes back to the beginning of storytelling. Oh, absolutely. You know, from from well, the first time we gathered around fires and made oop noises at each other. Yeah. You know. I would also say that uh because I, you know, again, with my ancient stuff. Yeah, know, oh yeah. Uh, I I point out to my students all the time that like the the version that we're reading is a version that we're reading, and that doesn't negate the version that you grew up reading, and it doesn't subtract from it. They probably came from different islands. It's Greece, <laughs> or yeah, or they probably yeah. came from different valleys. It's Norse, and I point yeah. out that in yeah. some stories Loki is the brother of Odin, and in yeah. other stories he's the adopted son of Odin, and in other stories still, you know, and, and in on other and on stories and on. he's both, right? You know, and so it's yeah. it's kids are like, well, I thought it was this way. It was, it was. you know. And then I point out, I'm like, we're we're studying because I teach Latin. We're studying yeah. the ultimate fanfic writer, mm-hmm. Virgil. <laughs> you know, yes. it's like, oh, Odysseus yes. did that. So so did Aeneas. Odysseus did that. So did Aeneas. So did Aeneas. Yeah. stopped there. So did Aeneas. Uh, Odysseus stabbed a uh, uh, a cyclops in the eye. Well, Aeneas saw him. Yeah, from a distance. From a distance, you know, saw it happen. He well, was there. Uh, Odysseus slept so, with so, this woman. Okay, so, so did Aeneas. So we're saying is yeah. Aeneas was the original Marty Stew. Yes. Okay. Well, and and I think Odysseus, in many ways, was the first, or not Odysseus. Uh, Aeneas was the first time that a fanfic writer shipped two characters. He literally shipped Aeneas to Dido on a boat. This is true. He shipped him. Shipped him. To her. Yes, yes. Uh, but and he's like, well, let's make this happen. Yeah. And then it blew up, you know. Yeah. So, so yes, I found it fascinating that um, it was his estate that that benefited, not him. I, I just, I was yeah. I was stunned to find out um, that, that the author of all this stuff burned out like Jim Morrison style, like that oh, yeah. quickly. Like, yeah. Incredibly prolific and yeah. then stopped. Hemingway's a good comparison. Oh, that's a better one. Yeah, because he also shot himself in the head. He, yeah, uh, no. yeah. Well, yeah. Well, in his case, it was a shotgun right. rather than a revolver. But right. yes. Good Lord, what's and, going and on? The, well, I know the, what's going the issues, on at that time. And, but, and yeah. the, the issues, the issues, it's funny, the issues that mm-hmm. Hemingway shot himself over would have been the kind of issues that a Howardian protagonist would have had oh, really? real problems with. Well, I can get into it in the sure. next episode. Um, okay. But what are you reading right now? You know, uh, I'm speaking of um, fantasy. I'm reading Onslaught uh, by Michael Stackpole. It's uh, it's the second book mm. in the Yuzhan Vong series of mm-hmm. Star Wars books. Okay. Chewbacca is now dead. 
Oy. It hit me very differently the fourth time around than okay. it did the, the first through third times around. Really? Oh yeah. Okay. Um, I it's 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 interesting what age will do to you yes. as a reader. Um, and I'm seeing the turn of Jason Solo mm-hmm. way sooner. Um, oh, you're, you're knowing twigging, that it's you're twigging all the foreshadowing. Oh my god! But like he has these monologues where I'm like, oh dude, you are already into absolute rule. What the hell? Like, yeah. Um, and I'm I'm seeing uh, that Anakin is going to die. Uh, okay. Anakin Solo is going to die uh, mm-hmm. because of his recklessness. Um, and I'm seeing uh, a lot of like kind of interesting things uh, going on. Like, and, and I know what happens to each of these characters, so it's yeah. kind of interesting to see that happen. So that's kind of cool. And I'm 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 also I'm amazed at how prophetic Borsk Fela is mm-hmm. to our current administration. Without <laughs> realizing that they were, I think in many ways it was Fela yeah. was a response to late era Clinton. Um, yeah, but it's very much uh, current era. Yeah, Trump. Uh, yeah. for similar reasons, uh, yeah. malignant narcissism getting power. So yeah, that's that's what I'm reading. I'm, okay. I'm having a lot of fun with it. But I also uh, am rereading uh, Forgotten Fire by Adam Bagdasarian. Yeah, yeah. Which is about the Armenian genocide, uh, okay. and um, I made my world history kids read it. So uh, these are sophomores. Sophomores, yeah. Oh wow. And right. uh, they're all starting with like they ask. They all ask the same question. They're like, "How come this book starts with a quote from Hitler?" I'm like, "When you read the book, you'll figure it out." Mm-hmm. So it's it's bleak and dark <clears throat> and sad. What are there you reading? You I'm rereading Dune for for partly for research purposes sure. for the podcast um, and partly because it's been a while since the last time I read it mm-hmm. and a whole lot has changed in my life mm-hmm. and just like you said about rereading the Yuzhan Vong mm-hmm. series I want to see how the notes hit me yeah this time it's it's when fun. I'm when I'm in my forties rather than my late twenties. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're happily 30s. married, when raising I'm, a child. When I'm happily married. I have a kid. Like like, am I am I gonna am I gonna identify more with Duke Leto at the beginning of the story? Uh-huh. Am I gonna you know is is Yui suddenly somehow gonna become less of of a bastard? You know, sure, sure. Like you know. Um, am I am I going to wind up flinging the book across the room when when Harkonnen says something that that reminds me too much of our current administration? Sure, you know, I give that one seventy thirty odds. <laughs> the spine of the book is probably going to get scuffed up by yeah, the time yeah. I'm done. Uh, but yeah, so that's that's what Sounds I'm fun. that's what I'm reading right now. I well, haven't I haven't had time to get very far in it, but you know, I I in I I probably will. Yeah, in the next few days. Well, good. Yeah, so. I'll have a lot more time. Too. Yeah. So, uh, well, uh, where can people find you on on social media? Uh, they can find me on the Twitter machine mm-hmm. at at eh blaylock. Okay. Where can they find you? Uh, you can find me at duh harmony. That's two H's in the middle, duh, and then harmony, uh, both on the Insta and on the Twitter. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you can also find the both of us at uh, Geek History Time. On the Twitter machine. On the Twitter. And uh, please drop us lines. Uh, as you saw in a uh, couple episodes ago, uh, if you give us corrections, we will read them on the air. Yeah. Uh, because we like that stuff. Yeah. So please we, correct we like, us. We like interaction. We, yeah. we we appreciate being called on it when we're wrong. Yes. So. Uh, and I, I just do want to do a quick shout out before yeah. we say our goodbye. Certainly. Uh, there is a new fan who has been born in the last week. 
to uh, the the child of uh, our our pinball guest. Oh, has come into the world. Wonderful! Congratulations yes. on that. That's yes. awesome. I, I won't say his name because I didn't have permission. Yeah. Um. But uh, wonderful little baby boy, and I look forward to uh, watching all kinds of wonderful journeys for that. Oh family. yeah, so definitely. That's congrats, wonderful news. Congrats uh, to Derek and to his family. Okay. So awesome. And so with that, Mm -hmm. uh, for Geek History of Time, I'm Ed Blaylock. I'm Damien Harmony. And until next time, keep rolling 20s.